Welcome back to QAV, episode 619. Happy birthday to Fox, who turns nine years old today. Wow, happy birthday, Fox. I can't believe that he's nine. Can you believe that? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, welcome back to Australia, Tony Kynaston. How was the big trip? I mean, we spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, but... How was the last couple of weeks of your trip? Yeah, really good. It was good having Alex and Jenny in Toronto with me. It was like a bit of a fam- mini family holiday, which was lovely. And caught up with my friends over there, played a bit of golf with them. So, yeah. And, you know, it was like we'd never left Toronto. It's such a nice place. Was it cold? Yeah. Unfortunately, like April's very variable. So everyone I met kept saying, oh, you should have been here last week. It was 30 degrees. But we were there and it was eight degrees and raining. Right. Ugh. And you play golf anyway? Oh, we managed to dodge around it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you take wet weather gear or did you borrow some, buy some? What did you do? I had wet weather gear with me because we got rained on in the US as well. Yeah, I always carry wet weather gear for golf. It's occupational hazard for an outdoor sport. Yeah, but no, it was good fun. It was good. Great having Jenny and Alex there. So that was really, that's probably the highlight was just uh you know, whenever we had downtime, we'd go out for dinner or for lunch and chat like we hadn't seen each other for ages, so it was good. Yeah, that's nice. Did Sean go as well? No, he didn't. I think he's flying up this afternoon. He's working with Jenny and he's staying with us overnight, so I'll catch up with him tonight. Lovely. We'll say good day to him from me too. Well, it's good to have you back, you know, be able to do a real show with you, a normal show. ChatGPT's not quite there yet, not quite up to the TK standard. I did get it to write a poem about you. Oh, no. Well, hopefully the friggin' thing pronounces my name right. How's it going to be the ruler of the world if it can't pronounce my name right? Well, I was going to actually get it to, uh, like, read the poem, put it through the tech. Well, it's not ChatGPT that did the talking, right? It was a I, – I threw tech, uh, GPT's output into a text-to-speech generator that created all of that. Because I was thinking that ChatGPT was really just the, like Stephen Hawking's brain in a bottle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then they hooked him up to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a couple of guys that trying to get it to write a poem about you last night that I could read. And I was thinking, oh, I have to teach it how to pronounce the, the text speech generator, how to pronounce your name. I did tell it at one point. <laughs> Kyniston rhymes with Ty Aston. And it then put the words Ty Aston into the poem. And I was like, no, that's <laughs> the best that I came up with. I then, uh, it did a long poem, which was kind of nice, but, you know, it was like, um, in realms of wealth, a name well known, Tony Kynaston, strength has shown, values champion, steadfast, wise, seeking truth with keen, sharp eyes, hidden value he uncovers, market secrets he discovers, patient, skilled in long term gains. Fortunes built, his wisdom reigns. Guiding others on their quest, sharing knowledge, he's the best. Fostering growth, both far and wide, mentor, leader by his side, which doesn't make any sense. Navigating market storms, (laughs) graceful as he shape transforms, riding waves of change and strife, skillful hands at helm of life. In the halls of wealth, he stands firm upon investing lands. Built on principles of truth, legacy that shapes our youth. Again, what? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's concentrating on the rhymes rather than the content, I think. 
then I told it to write a limerick and I ended up with, <laughs> there once was an investor named Tony whose methods made profits not phony. He'd buy when <laughs> stocks dipped and then when they flipped, Kynaston's returns were quite stony. Stony. Stony returns. Yeah. Well, the first time it said its returns were quite brawny and I said brawny doesn't even <laughs> rhyme with phony. So it gave me stony. And I know returns were quite, that doesn't. Anyway, so it's it's slim. I, I actually was playing around with it last night and I said to it, if it takes, I was throwing logical problems out. I said, if it if it takes five hours to dry five pieces of clothing hung outside, how long would it take to dry 30 pieces of clothing? And it gave me, you know, all of this arithmetic and said, you know, concluded 30 hours. Really? And yeah, yeah, no, it's in 30 <laughs> hours. And I asked it again. I said, can you, re- I've gotten to the habit of saying, review that and improve upon it. And it went, no, it's still 30 hours. And I said, all right, <laughs> your job is now to uh, check the logic of the former answer. And it came back and went, oh, yeah, right. Okay. Well, it said <laughs> it wouldn't be a linear denominator for that. But it said, yeah, I, I don't know enough about the humidity, uh, how much room there is to put out the clothes. Uh, you know, the, the density of the clothes, uh, how wet they are. Well, you know, I, I really don't have enough information to answer that question. That was, a, that was a good way of getting out of it. Fair enough. That's, this kind of human, like, and it just jumps in with the wrong answer rather than <laughs> ask the questions to get to the right one. Well, actually, that's part of what I've been learning to do. You know, as a good prompt engineer, you have to say, here's the question. Ask me for more information if you need more information to work it out step by step. And you have to kind of treat it like a teenager in in a lot of cases to get it to think the way that you want it to think. There's a lot of work involved. I saw a study the other day that said if you just throw in a question, you have an 81% chance of getting a correct answer. But if you finesse it a little bit, it's like a woman, Tony. You know, if you just tell her what you want, you've got an eighty-one percent chance of getting it. But uh, if you finesse it a little bit, you know, oh. take it out to dinner, buy some flowers. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Well, apologies to all our females, oh, I'm kidding, and, lady listeners. Uh, happy Mother's Day on Sunday. <laughs> Lucky Chrissy doesn't listen to this, and she's not home right now. I'd get a boot. <laughs> Well, my my daughter will transcribe this, so uh, feel feel free to mangle that section, Alex. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's do a portfolio update before I get myself into more trouble. <laughs> Did my weekly update today? I tell you, it's been a rough trot on the old uh, all odds, man. Like we're uh, I had a look earlier. I think in the last the last three months we're down uh, the all odds is down in the last three months it's up over a six month period but not by much year to date it's up but last three months has been pretty grim secret rate rises coming in from your friends at the yeah. RBA last week yeah I had a thought about them I really think they should be they, they need an AFSL license before they start <laughs> <laughs> telling people what to do and do they have one That's interest a good rates. question no <laughs> But they can stand in front of a microphone and like affect everyone's personal finances. That's not <laughs> right. There's something, some some flaw in that thing. Anyway, um, QAV portfolio report, the dummy report since inception, which for new listeners is uh, beginning of September 2019, coming up to four years. Uh, according to Novexa, we're tracking at 17.13% per annum CAGA over that period versus the benchmark STW, which is tracking at about 7.3, I think. 
We're doing a little bit less than two and a half times the benchmark over that period, let's say three and a half years, roughly. We're up 12.38% for the financial year per annum, again, CAGA, versus the SCW, which is up 16.11. So we've been catching up there, but it got ahead of us a little bit in the last week, thanks to OML, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Well, it, it's I kind of find it strange that with everything going on in the world, that all the odds are still up 16%. I know, right? That's, um, that's amazing, yeah. But you've said to me before, like the it's all like the top end, you think, in this last year? Yeah. I, I think um, from memory, you know, some of the big iron ore miners came back. What else has happened? Oh, the banks, ComBank did okay in the first half of the year. I think it's come off a little bit since then. So, yeah, it's, it's the big end for sure. For the quarter, uh, which obviously started the 1st of April, so we're a month and a bit into the quarter, we were way ahead of the um, STW until OML kicked in, and now we're sort of neck and neck, up by like one point, up by one three seven. No, we're up one point four. It's up one point four. Um, so yes, OML. Uh, we lost twenty three percent on OML last week. It just uh, crashed and burned, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on when we get into the uh, rest of the show. That was disappointing, but there you go. Uh, interest rates are up, Tony. Again. Everyone needs to put the rates up in the spreadsheet again. <laughs> yes, correct. That's right. I haven't done a mortgage rate survey yet, but I'll do that in a week or so when it flows through and see if the we have to update that cell on the spreadsheet as well for our test against yield. But yeah, people should update their uh, their spreadsheets for our um, our IV calculations using the bench rate using the benchmark rate, the cash rate. I will um, do an updated version of the TK and AF sheet with the latest uh, rates to, at some stage in the next day or so. Interesting that they did rise rates, though, I thought. Um, they paused them the month before. And I think every bond trader and every economist in Australia was thinking they'd continue to be paused, so everyone was blindsided. Out listening to Alan Kohler and a few other commentators, they think it may have been political because the um, Reserve Bank review came out and criticised the current lot. So. It may have been a bit of revenge going on there. But uh, anyway, who knows? Strange days. Wow. That's a big call. Oh, you love it. I love a good conspiracy theory. I know you do. <laughs> well, speaking of conspiracy theories, I think Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger were replaced with uh, digital versions of themselves run by a game engine because I refuse to believe that two guys in their 90s What's Buffett's about, what, 92, 93 now? Charlie's 99. Could do six-hour and 44-minute Q&A at the Berkshire AGM this week. But, I mean, they're Statler. They're probably Muppets. They're Statler and Waldorf on the Muppet <laughs> Show. <laughs> wow. I don't know whose hand is up there, but uh, they did a really good job. It's a jet. Agit, yeah, Agit Jane and Greg Abel waiting to take over. <laughs> <laughs> but they were sitting at the table too, what yeah. Greg was anyway. Uh, it's just the power of C's candy and Coke, I guess. <laughs> like it's seriously, like I've got a lot of friends. Well, one less since uh, Father Bob died, but i got a lot of friends in their 90s who are relatively cogent, but there's no way they could sit there and do a Q&A for six, nearly seven hours on investing and whatever. That's that's seriously insanely impressive, those two guys. I mean, Charlie doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been covered a lot in the press, but I'm still amazed by them. They still make a whole heap of sense. 
They're funny. They're witty. They, they field all sorts of questions. It's just amazing. It's a great show. I think one of our listeners was over there. So when they get back, we should um, have a chat with them and get their impressions. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember who that was. Brett, Brent, somebody. Anyway, they'll let us know. Well, I've got some clips here, some highlights. I might play a couple of clips for people that haven't watched the whole seven hours. Have you watched the whole seven hours yet? I haven't. I've just been picking the clips out as well. Yeah. I watched a bit. I tried to get through as much of it as I could, but uh, I just don't have seven hours to kill. But uh, <laughs> here's, the, here's them talking about AI, impact of AI and robotics. Karen, I thank you for asking Charlie that question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you went into BYD's factories in China, you would see robotics going in at an unbelievable rate. So we're going to see a lot more robotics in the world. I am personally skeptical of some of the hype that has gone into artificial intelligence. I think old-fashioned intelligence works pretty well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There won't be anything in AI that replaces the gene. Uh, I'll state that unqualifiedly. Uh, it can do amazing things. You know, Bill Gates brought me out of out uh, the latest, uh, maybe not the latest version, but one he thought maybe I could handle, which has <laughs> to be careful with me in terms of leading me too fast. And it did it did these remarkable things. Sounds like Bill Gates and Buffett have the same relationship as you and I, Tony. Like, I don't want to ask you to do too much on the technology <laughs> side of things. It's just slowly, slowly, incrementally <laughs> suggesting stuff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm waiting for yeah, ChatGPT to improve so I can take a holiday again. I thought you, you've truncated the Buffett uh, clip there. There's a, there's a punchline to it you've missed. Yeah, yeah, I just paused it to make oh, a joke, that's all. I'm, I'm getting back to it, yeah. It, it 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 couldn't tell jokes. Bill Bill told me that ahead of time. And it, see, I can tell jokes, which is why I had to pause it. Spared <laughs> me, and it it just isn't there. But you know, things like checking all the legal opinions, you know, since the beginning of time and everything, and eliminating all the cider. I mean, it can do all kinds of things. And when something can do all kinds of things, I get a little bit worried. Because I know we won't be able to uninvent it, and uh, we did invent, for very, very good reason, the atom bomb in, in World War II, and it was, you know, it was enormously important that we did so. But is it good for the next 200 years of the world that, that uh, the ability to do so has been unleashed? We didn't have a choice, but uh, when you start something... Well, Einstein said after, after the atom bomb, he said, this has changed everything in the world except how men think. And uh, I would say the same thing may, not the same thing, I don't mean that, but I mean, they, they, with AI, it can change everything in the world except how men think and behave. And that's a big step to take. It's a good question. He has another bit on AI and investing later on that I'm going to jump to because it's a great quote Thank you. this. Well, I'm glad to take that one. I think value investors are going to have a harder time now that there's so many of them competing for a diminished bunch of opportunities. So my advice to value investors is to get used to making less. 
And Charlie has been telling me the same thing the whole time we've known each other. That we, 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 we get along wonderfully because... So we are making less. Yeah, well, but that's because that mostly, I think, is because it's larger. We were younger. And was... now, we never thought we could manage $508 billion <laughs> No, one or five. Uh, yeah, the, but I, I would argue that uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. And part of the reason there are going to be plenty of opportunities the, the tech doesn't make any difference or any of that. I mean, if you look at how the world's changed in the in the years since 1942 when I started, say, well, how does a kid that doesn't know anything about airplanes, that doesn't know anything about engines and cars, and doesn't know anything about electricity and all that? But that really isn't the that's not the the world changing doesn't or new things coming along don't take away the opportunities. What gives you opportunities? Is other people doing dumb things, and <laughs> uh, it's, it's not, uh, I would say that well, the fifty-eight years we've been running Berkshire, I would say there's been a great increase uh, <laughs> in the number of people doing dumb things, and they do big dumb things. And the reason they do it to some extent is because they they can get money from other people so much easier than when we started. So you could start. 10 or 15 dumb insurance companies in the last 10 years, and you could become rich if you were adroit at it, whether the business succeeded or not, and the underwriters got paid, and the, the lawyers got paid. And that creates, if that's done on a large scale, which it couldn't be done 58 years ago, you couldn't get the money to do some of the dumb things that we wanted to do, fortunately. Uh, and so I don't I think that investing has disappeared so much from this huge capitalistic market that anybody can play in, but that the big money is in selling other people ideas that isn't outperforming uh, in outperforming. And uh, I think that I think if you don't run too much money, which we do, but if you're running small amounts of money, I think I think the opportunities will be greater. But then Charlie and I have always differed on this subject. He, he likes to tell me how gloomy the world is, and, <laughs> and I, I like to tell him we'll find something. And and so far we've both been kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> Other people doing dumb things. A great quote, isn't it? And the other, the other great quote was, you know, people making money from selling ideas, not performing well. Not outperforming, yeah. <laughs> like just in the, you know, three or four years we've been doing this show, I guess I've had a big education just on, just seeing people doing thumb, dumb things, getting, you know, sucked in by hype and uh, propaganda around investing opportunities rather than just doing the basics. People hate doing the basics, don't they? It's because it's it's kind of it's boring. Yeah, go for a walk, eat your veggies, <laughs> you know, problem solved. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rather than go to the shop, you know, browse the vitamin counter, buy a shake. <laughs> it's just like yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm really proud that we have on our front page our portfolio and how it's performed. We don't try and hide it. We always talk about it every week. We don't talk about it just when it's performing, outperforming. You're just doing the basics week after week after week. Yeah, and look, I, I think AI is going to be an incredible tool for us. Uh, I do think it's going to speed up 
uh, and simplify a lot of the research that we do when it gets when it's ready. It's not quite ready to do that yet, but it's moving really quickly. But people will use it to do dumb things as well and to invest in dumb things, just like they always have. I, I, you know, people have said to us over the last few years, aren't you worried that people will take what you're doing and then everyone will be doing it and you know <laughs> there won't be any opportunities left? And we always point out, well, Warren Buffett's been teaching <laughs> yeah. people how to do this stuff for 50 <laughs> years and most of us still aren't doing it. So if Buffett can't convince people to do this, then I don't, you know, as much as I think, we're, we're pretty good at teaching this. I don't think we're Warren Buffett yet. So, Yeah, that's right. We've got another 50 years to go probably before we can even, well, we can't. We could never approach Warren Buffett's status, but he has a lot of experience behind him. I mean, and you're right. I mean, the, you know, someone's going to work out how to game chat GPT to always spit out their fund managers or their fund name when someone asks chat GPT, where should I invest, right? And then they're going to get very rich. That's just the way society works. I think the real issue with ChatGPT is it's just going to it's going to increase tribalism. I mean, after traveling through the US, it's just so tribal now. Everyone's dug into their foxholes. No, they're tossing hand grenades. No one's willing to talk with anyone else outside of their tribe. And you know, part of that's due to it's it's all media driven. You know, you can watch Fox News and see one side of the story. You watch CNN, see the other side of the story. It's going to get worse with ChatGPT. Because it's coming across as an objective arbiter, but you could probably ask it two versions of the same questions and get the right-wing answer and the left-wing answer. Well, what I predict will happen is there will be one AI that you will ask and it'll give you the right-wing answer and you'll ask another one and it'll give you the left-wing answer. And then the, the left-wing one will tell you the right-wing one is lying. The right-wing one will tell you the left-wing <laughs> one is lying. So, you know, it's just, it is, it is going to create a lot of problems. I mean, it would be nice to think that there'd just be one that was completely neutral and, and uh, gave you the, uh, the facts. But I remember 30 years ago when we thought the internet was going to democratize information too. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I know what happened to that. It just got gamed, right? Yeah. And, it's, and this, is, this is the internet on steroids, so it's going to get gamed too. And make it even harder to, to see through what's going on, which is unfortunate. And to your comment about at the moment, was it 81% of answers are correct? I read an article about a lawyer who said, I love chat GPT. It's going to increase lawyers' billable hours because I've now got to employ someone to check the output from chat GPT before I can present it in court. So <laughs> it's not, not the, everyone's saying, oh, they're going to just intermediate lawyers and other white collar professionals. Well, not yet. Not yet. But, you know, it, you know, I don't think it's going to stay at 81% accuracy for long. I mean, it's still got to remember, this thing wasn't even in the public eye six months ago. So it's, uh, it's got, you know, it's, I keep telling people, it's buggy. It's a beta tool. Got to think of it as a beta tool. But um, where it will be a year from now or five years from now, these tools, who knows? Anywho, moving right along. You, you didn't play the bit of um, Warren Buffett's video that I thought you were going to play when he talks about when Bill Gates brought him ChatGPT or an early version of it, and he said he wanted to ask it, how are you going to get rid of the human race? Oh, I didn't hear it. Buffett wants to see what it says and pull the plug out before it does it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't see that bit. No, I just heard a bit about it. it doesn't tell jokes. There was another, there's a lot of clips. We can't spend all day on it, but there was another clip where he talked about um, 
being a non-emotional person when it comes to investing, as you like. Be emotional in other parts of your life, but be non-emotional when it comes to investing. And obviously, that's one of the things that QAV does for us is it helps us be non-emotional. And that was going to lead me to my next point. Steve wrote on Facebook, one of our QAV club members the other day, this post is for anyone that needs a reminder to not hold on to losers and to follow the rules. Have a look at what is happening with SRX and OML today. The takeaway here is that they can keep dropping before they find a new base. I've had a few people, a few of our members recently tell me their own experiences with that, that they let something go through the uh, rule one or the three PTL line. And they're like, ah, I think it's going to come back. And I don't think I should sell it just yet. And then it just kept dropping and kept dropping and kept dropping. And they got to the point where they're like, even Taylor did that. I think for Taylor, it was just he took his eye off the ball, but um, didn't check his alerts. But yeah, then it drops 20, 30% and people get into the whole, wow, it's dropped so much now. What do I do? I just might as well hold on to it and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hope it comes back eventually. <laughs> on the odd occasion when I have missed my alerts for whatever reason, yeah, if you turn up one day and it's down 20 or 30%, you got to sell it. It's down that low for a reason. It's probably not going to get better in a long time. Well, speaking of a reason, so OML, ooh, media, for people that don't follow OML, we held it in a portfolio, a couple of portfolios, actually. It's a dummy in the light. And um, on the 3rd of May, yeah, as we said earlier, it dropped by 23% in one day. And everyone was scratching their head on the day, trying to figure it out and asking questions. Could we have used Renko charts to get out earlier? But it looks like it all came down to this presentation they gave at a Macquarie conference, which I saw the copy of the presentation on the day and I flicked through it and it didn't look that bad to me, but it's obviously seemed to coincide with the drop. Now, if you go into Stock Doctor and look at the um, communications tab under OML, it'll show you that there was a 23% drop associated with that presentation on the day. So did you uh, learn anything more about why OML tanked as quickly as it did? Yeah, I, I'm not sure where I read it, but I read a couple of days later or maybe a day later. Yeah, so, I mean, the Macquarie Conference is, you know, a concentrated shark tank of all the brokers sitting in a room. And uh, one of the things that was part of the presentation was that Media wasn't go it wasn't growing as fast as people had thought and so the numbers got recrunched on the spot and uh, the company was devalued so it had a bit to do with the fact that outdoor media was growing during covid at the expense of other media and no sorry the reverse it was shrinking during covid because no one was going outdoors and then the year after covid it had a huge increase year on year and that slowed down a lot and so people factored you know readjusted their numbers and there was also something about market share being taken by a competitor as well in one of the categories, which was important. So, uh, yeah, it didn't take long for the brokers to sense blood in the water and, and sell. Yeah, that was dramatic. It was, wasn't it? I'm, it's unusual. You don't normally see that. It dropped from $1.63, the close of the day before, down, like it, literally in the morning, it dropped immediately down to $1.23. And then it kept dropping down to a dollar fifteen, it a dollar fourteen even. It did recover a bit since then. I think it's back up to about a dollar twenty four now, but still a long way down from where it was. And going back on the twenty seventh of April, it was a dollar seventy one. 
So yeah, that's a that's a massive drop. It lost so a third of its share price, I guess, since uh, 27th of April. And it didn't happen slowly. It happened, boom, one hit, one day. So yeah, very unusual, but it can happen. Now, I, I still don't know how to drive a Renko chart properly, Tony. <laughs> I doubt, though, you know, if, the, if this was a result of their presentation at the conference, unlikely that any Renko chart would have tipped us off. Yeah, I agree. I think, well, I haven't got the Renko chart in front of me, but Media was going up, so it would have been green bars going up as well. I, I doubt it, but it'd be a red bar now because it's dropped so much, but I doubt if Renko would have predicted this at all. And Renko charts are basically a trailing stop loss, as, as Brett pointed out to us as well. If the stock's going up, it's not going to cut it. It's not going to cross its stop loss. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc. Just sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you but uh, you know while he's not <laughs> we can do this so check that out qavpodcast.com.au slash light l-i-g-h-t that's it if you don't want to sign up to any of those just keep listening to the free episodes and if you have any questions uh, shoot me an email you find that on our website too all right have a great week and good luck with your investing the qav podcast is a production of space Craft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.